You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 639 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, and we are officially here. Uh, it is the week of the regular season opener for the Hawks. They do not open until Thursday, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely fired up for the start of the regular season. There's five games in the preseason in the books behind us. Training camp is over, and we are now full steam ahead for the regular season. So today's podcast is going to be just me talking about a, a number of different things, honestly, sort of bouncing around a bunch of nothing monumental, but a bunch of little updates and procedural items and roster moves and quotes from Lloyd Pierce and et cetera, et cetera, that I want to catch up on uh, before we get to the actual week that's going to be uh, upcoming. Of course, the Hawks open on Thursday in Detroit before they come home and play Saturday in the home opener uh, against the Orlando Magic at State Farm Arena, so plenty of time to get into all of that, and also I have at least one guest plan between now and Thursday's tip-off, but yeah, there's there was enough news and stuff like that that uh, piled up that I want to touch on it, so here we are talking about that stuff, and hopefully this is, this is uh, good for your Monday morning commute, and yeah, let's talk some Hawks, some Hawks together. So, um, I guess the most... Important is kind of a weird word to put it, but the most obvious thing to discuss so far, um, we'll probably save for the end, and that's the injury status of Kevin Herter, etc. But the second, number two thing I will just start with on this podcast, and that is the fact that there were a few team options picked up by the Hawks. Uh, this time around, there was really no mystery, honestly. Um, last year, if you might remember at this time, if you're a diehard Hawks, Hawks fan, that DeAndre Bembry, there was some mystery last year, 12 months ago, whether he'd have his fourth-year option picked up. Just for people to understand what's what happens here, basically, a year in advance, um, teams have to decide on rookie-scale contract options for year three and year four. So basically, um, you know, Bembry was entering year three last year, but before year three really started, they had to decide on his uh, fourth-year option. And because he hadn't really played for the first two seasons, he had a bunch of injury issues, and it's a significant sum of money for year four, particularly, on any of these contracts. It's not a no-brainer in year four. Most of the time, year three is pretty much a no-brainer around the league unless you have a real bust at the top that's a more... Uh, for injury or something like that, but most of the time, the great majority of the time, uh, year three options are picked up. Year four, a little bit less so, but still, the majority of the time, you want that year four option picked up. But anyway, there was a legitimate um, concern, at least question about Bembry last year coming into training camp. Then he then he performed well in camp, stayed healthy, and they were able to go ahead and do that. Um, this time around, there were really no <laughs> no mystery at all because the three guys that were in question for the Hawks were John Collins, Trey Young, and Kevin Harder. So. Um, Collins, it's his it's his uh, fourth year option. So uh, four point one million dollars for John Collins for the 2020-21 season. Obviously, that's an absolute no brainer. Collins is someone who is worth you know four or five times that at this point in time, and uh, yeah, it just makes it very very easy. Just for the record, Collins is not extension eligible. Some people have. I've asked me about that in recent days. Uh, Collins cannot sign an extension until next summer. So this year, the only ex- the extension eligible players eligible players on rookie scale contracts for the Hawks right now at this very moment are DeAndre Bembry and Damian Jones. Um, Jones it would be pretty stunning if the Hawks were to extend him in any way, shape, or form. He was acquired. He's still on his rookie scale contract, so he is eligible. But I'd be stunned by that. Bembry, I'd be surprised. Uh, just most of the time, I mean, everybody likes Bembry around the Hawks, including Lloyd Pierce. 
but he wasn't drafted by Travis Schlenk, which is worth worth pointing out always when it comes to Bembry uh, in this current regime. And uh, perhaps more importantly, when it comes to rookie scale extension potential, Bembry is kind of the player that doesn't really get extended. Uh, most of the time, the extensions that you see get done with with teams on and players on rookie scale contracts are guys who are full-fledged starters, high-end starters that get paid a lot of money. Um, most of the time, you do not see the cheap sort of value rotation player kind of extension that is signed. It's just kind of the reality for whatever reason. Agents don't like them, and teams are less incentivized to pay a guy a year ahead of time uh, that's going to be playing that kind of role. So it is not impossible the Hawks could sign memory to an extension, but I would be surprised. Um, anyway, dating back to, uh, I guess, circling back to the to the options, uh, Collins will be locked in for year four. No surprise there. Very, very cheap contract. And then one year from now, we'll be talking plenty about extension stuff when it comes to John Collins. Lastly, on this topic, Trey Young um, is, is now locked in for 6.75, sorry, 6.57 million for next season, this is his third season, and Kevin Herter at 2.76 million for that season. These these uh, numbers are locked in in terms of the rookie scale, so there's no negotiation. There's no there's no negotiation. They're just picked up. They're absolute no brainers here in this case. Looking ahead to year four, both of which will be again <laughs> probably no brainers. Young is already a no-brainer, you know, Herter, barring some sort of weird injury on either one of these guys, they're going to be picked up. Um, yeah, just just going to go ahead and get in front of that one now. But um, the year four in, the year four options for Young and Herter is $8.3 million for Young as a higher draft pick and $4.25 million for Herter on year four. That's one year from now. So, yeah, nothing to be nothing to really see here, but it was a, it was a logistic thing, a uh, sort of a procedural matter, and I, I feel like, like we had to talk, I talk about it a little bit on the podcast. I wrote about it. Um, very briefly in kind of just no-brainer news fashion, and uh, that, that's where I'll, I'll leave it for now. But yeah, normal, normally there's at least one interesting decision, at least close to interesting decision this time around. Not so much three uh, slam-dunk option pickups. Otherwise, on the roster, there was a little bit of uh, more procedural stuff over the weekend. First, no surprise here, but the day after the final game on Thursday... The Hawks went ahead and parted ways with the quartet of Exhibit 10 training camp contract guys that they had in, in camp this year. Marcus Derrickson, Armani Brooks, Taj McCall, and Jordan Seibert. None of those guys were likely to make the team at any point, and I said this throughout the process. The one guy I thought had a chance early on was Ray Spaulding, but that was pretty clearly not going to happen. And they went ahead and gave him the favor to get him somewhere else. Um, but yeah, no surprise here. We were all anticipating these four guys to be cut. Um because they're all on Exhibit 10 contracts, they'll have the chance to potentially slide them to College Park. The Hawks would have those guys as affiliate um, rights for G- for the G League and College Park. That's kind of just a system that we won't, we won't get, uh, get into all the way right now. But um, yeah, no surprise there. But those guys are going to be uh, either in the G League or somewhere else as the season as the season begins. The Hawks also made two signings kind of just under the radar. They have to announce these signings formally, which, which, which drew some uh, attention. I tweeted the first one ahead of time. The Hawks signed Kenny Gabriel and Mark Ogden Jr. Neither one of those guys are NBA players right now. Uh, Gabriel, I reported immediately that he was going to be signed and cut shortly after. That happened, obviously, in both cases. Um, In short, the whole reason to do this is so the Hawks can sign these guys to deals that will allow them to go ahead and waive them and then have their affiliate rights for the G League. So there was no... No, no point in time where uh, either Gabriel or Ogden was going to be on the on the regular season roster, which I said immediately. People were surprised by the, just the sort of procedural aspect, but the Hawks have to announce those signings, so they, they went ahead and did that. And within you know 48 hours, they were both waived, and uh, that was not a big surprise in any, any way, shape, or form. So, roster management wise, the Hawks have 14 guys under contract right now, in addition to the pair of two ways in uh, Brandon Goodwin. 
and Charlie Brown. The Hawks do have a open roster spot at this moment. I'm recording Sunday night, and they could certainly fill it. Uh, it's at least possible they could do that. Um, Alfonso McKinney is available, for instance, and there could be another guy or two on the market that could be intriguing. But for now, they have 14 guys. If they if they were to make a signing, I would come back and talk about it at some point in time in the near future. But for now, they have 14. They have some cap space, and they will look ahead with that flexibility as the season arrives. Uh, that'll do it for the roster portion of the podcast. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, talk about more uh, injury stuff and logistics and looking ahead to uh, Thursday's opener. So hold on tight. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back to talk about some uh, injury stuff, unfortunately. That's kind of the, the, the nature of the beast this time of year. First things first, um, Alan Crabb. There's an update here from Sarah Spencer of the AJC who talked to Lloyd Pierce. And uh, Pierce reportedly said that Crabb probably won't see the court from a competitive standpoint. That's a quote there from Pierce until mid to late November. That's not a huge surprise considering his total absence from training camp and the preseason, but it's something to file away for sure. You know, I'm someone who thinks Crabb can add some value as a bench shooter and a much needed floor spacer for this team, but. As we said at the time when the Hawks announced the injuries before training camp, once uh, it was pretty clear that Crabb was not, not going to be playing in the preseason at all, there was always an expectation in my mind anyway that he's going to have a pretty delayed arrival to the season. So November, that's a month from now, that's a long time, but not a huge surprise given where he was coming back from with the knee injury and uh, he did have a procedure over the, over the summer. So not a huge surprise, but we'll keep an eye on, Kev, on Alan Crabb because I, I do think, again, he can provide some useful spacing, and I think he's an NBA player. So uh, it's not as if he's sort of a fringe asset. You know, Chandler Parsons, for instance, is someone who I'm basically thinking is anything that he's able to do is, is gravy at this point in time, given his knees and the way they're treating him. Crab, I would put ahead of that in the pecking order. I think if Crab is healthy, they're going to want to at least see what he can do. He's young enough to be relatively interesting for this team. He's definitely overpaid, obviously, but uh, can provide some, some stuff off the bench that they are going to probably need. So keep an eye on that, and I will pass along any updates as they come along. Um, last thing here on, uh, injuries specifically, and there's a, a Kevin Herter update, um, a minor one because there's not too much has changed since the last time we talked about Kevin Herter, but Kevin Schnard of Hawks.com and ATL on 29 reported on Sunday that Herter practiced in full, including a scrimmage, which is a good sign. I would have to say, uh, Pierce had said Saturday, uh, Lloyd Pierce had said Saturday that it was quote too soon to say end quote, whether Herter would, would be able to play in the opener on Thursday. Uh, Sarah Spencer of the AJC passed this quote along from Pierce. I'm going to read it to you verbatim here. Quoting, we're hoping, but it's a combination of things. It's not just him playing in a game. It's him being able to sustain it. We couldn't get him going for the preseason because of the setbacks, which means we are still going to be extra cautious with his recovery, end quote. So again, nothing hugely revelatory there. I will say this is now my opinion after what was already reported. This is now transitioning into my opinion. If Herter is able to play on Thursday, which is certainly up in the air at this point in time, I would be absolutely stunned if he was not on a some sort of restriction. He's not played in a game yet, and without that sort of buildup, I can't imagine he's going to go out and play 30 minutes in the first game of the year. It's just not something that's going to happen, so we'll keep an eye on that workload. Um, transitioning from that into some logistics about the rotation, um, again, Kevin Chenard passed along this information on Twitter this week on Sunday, um, saying that Lloyd Pierce uh, basically announced that Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Alex Lynn are expected to start this season, uh, at least the opener. That is not a surprise. Obviously, we've been talking about that throughout the offseason, honestly. Um, those four guys, uh, really, I think all five when you, when you factor in Kevin Herter, but those four guys, given Herter's injury stuff, have been the projected stars the entire time. There was at least a brief moment in time where I at least consider that they could start Damian Jones, but with how much Jones struggled in the, in the preseason, and it would have been more about staggering Lynn. Like, no one's under, no one's under the illusion that Alex Lynn is not the best center on this team. He very clearly is. So um, those four guys, though, 
go ahead and write those guys in pen, barring some weird injury in the, in the, next, in the next day or two. I would say those four guys are going to be starting, according to Lloyd Pierce, on Thursday in Detroit. Um, the starting two-guard job, for the opener at least, uh, according to what, what Pierce said on Sunday, is, is now down to Herder, Reddish, and Bembry. I would be pretty shocked, again, if Herder was not limited. So with that in mind, if Herder is able to play, it wouldn't stun me if they brought him off the bench. I do think, just to get this out of the way right now, if Kevin Herter is healthy, he is a starting shooting guard. And for me, it, the third best player on the team, he's very clearly starting, in my opinion. Um, if it's my decision, anyway, if he is, if he is fully healthy, he will, he'll, he'll be out there. He'll be out there quite a bit. With that said, if he's not full go, there is certainly an argument to bring him off the bench and have him sort of stagger in and out, use his spacing on the second unit, et cetera, et cetera. If it was me, I would start Bembry. I do think that Bembry at this point in time is a better player than Cam Reddish. You know, Reddish obviously more talented, obviously a lot more upside. Um, but right now, today, I also think that Bembry's a better fit with the starters than Reddish is. And part of that is because they could really use Reddish off the bench and as a, as a spacer, as a creator in some in some senses. And I just think better, uh, Bembry's a better player. So if it's it's up to me. I would start Bembry opening night if, if unless unless Herter was ready to go, which I'm not sure he's going to be. So if it's between Bembry and Reddish, I would go with Bembry. Not a huge deal though, honestly, because it's kind of just semantics. They're both, they're both going to play real minutes. I think Reddish is a little bit further ahead from where I thought he'd be at this point in time, which is obviously a good thing. He definitely had a couple of games in the preseason where he really struggled, which is always going to happen for someone on his trajectory. But um, you know, Bembry is someone who you can certainly rely on his defense to be consistent. Offensively, there's a lot of highs and lows with, with DeAndre and his shooting is obviously a question, but his defense is going to be there, and if you're just trying to go out and win a basketball game, which I think the Hawks can be trying to do and try to win in the opener, I would be leaning on Bembry a little bit more, and if Herter didn't play at all, I would project Bembry for at least 25 minutes, honestly, um, on a nightly basis without Kevin Herter around. So, um, again, one more time, Kevin Herter is the guy if he's 100%, but um, at this point in time, we don't, we don't know that's going to be happening, and honestly, even if he is going to play on Thursday, it will be a surprise to me, and I think most people, if he is a 30-minute-in-the-game player right out of the gate. So... All that to say, um, well, we have plenty to look forward to, and uh, there will be definitely uh, updates rolling in between now and Thursday. The Hawks, I'm sure, will be traveling Wednesday to Detroit, so they'll have at least two or three more practices that could uh, leak out some information. Um, Herder could go down to the wire, honestly, with the way they, th- these things could go and the way the Hawks can be. He could be listed as questionable on Wednesday when the injury report comes out. That would not be a surprise to anybody, and we'll follow that story all the way through. But knock on wood, that'll be the only injury concern that the Hawks have. Obviously, Crab and Parsons are already ruled out. But um, all signs are good in terms of Reddish, who was ruled out for the preseason finale. John Collins, who was sick. Evan Turner had the Achilles thing. All those guys seem to be on track to play in the opener. So the Hawks will have something close to a regular season rotation available, uh, you know, barring Herder. I do think that they have an uphill battle early on in the season. I discussed this a little bit, but we'll end with this um, for, for today's podcast. But it's something we talked about a lot when the schedule came out a couple of months ago. But it's worth saying again now, the Hawks' first 22 games are pretty brutal in nature. And that's something we, we shouldn't. We, I will probably still bring up throughout that period of time. But on paper, I think at least according to Vegas right now, the Hawks will be only favored in probably two or three of those games. Um, obviously, they're projected to win more than that because, uh, you know, you don't, all, you don't only win games when you're favored. But realistically, if you were to do like a standard projection for those 22 games, I think the Hawks would probably win seven times, something like that, in that in that um, in that projection. Again, obviously things are going to have to be done on the court, and um, it's just worth pointing out though the schedule is very very difficult early on. On the bright side for the Hawks, they have a lot of their first two weeks at home. 
I know they open on the road, but then they have, I think it's like six of the first eight games at home. Um, they do have one brutal road trip coming up in the West Coast, which they always struggle with early in the season, I feel like, at least in recent years. But worth just keeping an eye on and keeping perspective on the early season because if the Hawks come out and go 6-16, six and 16, it's going to feel demoralizing, I'm sure, to some people. But the schedule dictates that, you know, look, look ahead to March. I said this on, on Twitter as well, but if you're – demoralized by the early season schedule look at the schedule for march and april particularly march the march schedule is like comically simple and easy for the hawks Uh, that's a long way from now obviously it's sort of a marathon not a sprint when it comes to the nba regular season but yeah just keep that in mind uh obviously the hawks for instance the opener is a good example the hawks will not be favored in the opener uh barring a blake griffin injury or something like that the hawks are not going to be favored to win against detroit on the road detroit's a team that's projected to win more games than the hawks and they're playing at home so that's a good example of, of a game the hawks can certainly win no, no one no one should question that. The Hawks are absolutely capable of going into Detroit and winning. But that one, and then the home opener as well, I'd be pretty surprised if the Hawks were favored over Orlando. Because Orlando, as much as I'm skeptical of them, Orlando has, A, dominated the Hawks in recent in the, at, least, at least last season they dominated the Hawks. And B, Orlando is projected to win, at least according to Vegas, you know, 10 more games than the Hawks, something like that, 8, 10 more games. Uh, I know it's going to be in Atlanta, but I, I would expect that Orlando will be a, a small favorite in that game. So, Keep it in perspective, we'll look ahead and we'll talk much more about all the game-by-game stuff in the future, but just a reminder, as I've said on Twitter a couple times now, the Hawks schedule of the first 22 games is sort of arbitrary endpoint, but that's where it kind of softens a little bit after that first 22, but those first 22 are really brutal, so uh, yeah, just keep that, keep, it, keep that in the back of your head when you're watching the team over the first few weeks of the season, so... That will do it for today's podcast. My apologies for throwing a lot at you on this uh, Sunday evening into Monday morning, but uh, this sort of a, it was we were kind of due for a catch-up episode. We do have at least one guest planned between now and Thursday, and I'll have my normal recap shows on Thursday, and then from State Farm Arena on Saturday night, where I will be in the building for the home opener. So please subscribe to this podcast. It's a great time to go ahead and do that. Tell a friend if you have a Hawks fan friend. The, the fan base seems to be growing, which is a very, very good thing. And uh, yeah, with a young, fun team, I would anticipate the uh, a little bit of buzz more so this year than they than they've had in the last couple of years. If that's going to happen, please t- please go ahead and tell your friends to, sp- to subscribe to this podcast. Give give us a chance, rate, review, um, and yeah, please uh, join us throughout the season. We'll be back again in in the next day or two with the new podcast, and stay tuned for that.